Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Teresa Montero for the Workday Afternoon, joined in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong, who's got a frog in his throat. No, I just ate a little too much uh, spicy <laughs> food for lunch today, but we're back. You're okay? <laughs> All Absolutely. Right. Markets aren't bad, honestly. Mm. At least the SDI was up a little bit before the lunch break, a uh, little bit being 0.3% up. Yeah, and I think uh, this is a continuation of the late afternoon fight back we saw on Monday. Now, the STI or the Straits Times Index came within striking distance or, or within touching distance, at least, of closing in the green yesterday, but then they ultimately fell and closed about three points lower. But that wasn't so bad when it comes to assessing intraday loss. It seems that they've just picked up where they left off and they've decided to continue that ascent. Straits Times Index up by about eight and a half points today. 2,584 is where the local benchmark is trading with about 635 million six, uh, Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. 198 stocks, REITs and trusts in the green and 134 that are in the red so far today. We're doing fairly well on what's been another mixed picture across the rest of the region. Overall, stocks are split again between those trading against Greater China versus those outside of that. You've got the Nikkei 225 actually trading about 30 points in the red today. So the Japanese benchmark is down. There's a bit of a concern, I think, with regards to Japanese car makers. And we've actually seen Mitsubishi Motors decline and hit their all-time lows in today's session because of that previous warning that they're going to incur a significant loss for the full fiscal year. And they also showed in the recent reports that sales in the ASEAN region in Southeast Asia have actually dwindled concerningly low levels. There's also a report today that Nissan, which is set to report earnings later on today, they're actually dealing with dwindling cash levels at the moment and might have just enough cash to last for an entire year. This according to the Nikkei Asian Review, and this has also weighed on the Nikkei 225 so far today. Out in Australia, the ASX 200 is down by about 6.8 points. Australian stocks yesterday were being buoyed by some of the gold miners down under. It seems that they've lost some steam out there also. The Sydney benchmark is down by 7.5 points. The rest of the region, though, fairly okay. In fact, for the Kospi, more than okay. We've seen the South Korean Kospi up by about 20 nine and a half points. Um, Shanghai is up by about half a percent today. Shenzhen trading 1% in the green. You've got Taiwan's weighted stock exchange trading 21 points in the red though, so they're coming down a bit. But the Hang Seng also rising by about 95 points so far in, in today's session. So overall, you're seeing a mixed picture. Again, you've got these COVID-19 concerns keeping a lot of investment and investor sentiment in check, but many are watching closely developments in the U.S. Remember that the Trump administration and Senate Republicans have already agreed in principle on a $1 trillion initial stimulus package that might go ways towards extending some of those benefits. Now, this will be debated and rather contentiously also on the Senate floors in the U.S., so it's not yet done, but it has made some progress nevertheless. And so far, there is a belief that there might still be some stimulus, at least for certain markets out there. I think this is also it's buoying sentiment in some of these places. But again, we've seen that right now it's a bit scattered, at least, with regards to which ways markets are going. At least here in Singapore, we're seeing that the STI is holding on to some modest gains. And I, I emphasize modest because so far it's just an eight-point increase, at least, for the Singapore benchmark. So still sitting around slightly under the 2,600 uh, Well, about 16 points under. I'd say it's still not slightly under, but it's, we were making progress towards coming back to that uh, previous support level that 
but mm-hmm. we fell below at the end of last week. Right. Yeah. Now, there's been so much talk about secession lately that I found this this made me giggle. Starhub CEO is retiring. Yes, uh, this is Peter Kaliaropoulos, who is retiring on Halloween, October 31st. He has and a sense of humor. It seems that this was a slightly abrupt announcement on his part. He is retiring because the firm is still it will now start their global search for the next head of Starhub. So there, it seems that this kind caught uh, perhaps the folks at Starhub slightly off guard, but they have accepted his decision to resign. And the reason he's resigning, he says, is because one of his family members in Australia is facing serious health problems and will require that he make an urgent return to Sydney. And he actually said in the statement that he needs to be closer to his family during this critical period. I mean, we're also going through a COVID-19 pandemic. So whenever you see a serious health problem within your family, it does tug at the heartstrings a little harder than usual also. And perhaps he just felt the need that you know, family has to come first over a career where which has seen him spend almost 40 years in the telco industry across multiple countries. Of course, Singapore, his most previous and perhaps his most important stop. And he feels that it's just the right time for him to step down from his full-time executive roles. But until that new CEO is hired, and mind you, um, Starhub will only have, let's see, three months more or less to try and find the successor to Mr. Kaliaropoulos or their next chief chief executive, he is going to serve as a co-opted member on Starhub's board, Exco. He has said that the search will be for the best person available, but he qualified that he was not speaking on behalf of the selection committee. He doesn't want to be involved too much or overly influence what the selection committee will decide, who they decide the next uh, the most appropriate next captain if I may call them that, of Starhub will be also. Keep in mind that he has been at Starhub actually since 1999. So he's been there for quite a while, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say more than half of his career as uh, in, in the telco industry. And he also initiated sweeping strategic transformation programs. But it is a big change and shakeup, I think, for Starhub. And not a lot of time, really, to find somebody who can fill his shoes. But nevertheless, it just shows that sometimes family has to come first. And that's the case. And that might be the reason why Mr. Kaliaropoulos decided to step down after all these years at Starhub. Well, on a personal note, Starhub was very, very supportive of my music career. They actually sponsored hmm. and underwrote my first major concert. I did not know that. Under a different CEO. So I, I wish him very well. He has my prayers. I hope his family is okay. We wish that for everybody, especially those who are facing these kinds of pressures within their immediate family and amongst their loved ones, of course. Absolutely. It is a very trying time for a lot of us now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great Eastern. This was actually no surprise that an insurance company saw an uptick. But when you parse through their report card and you look at how their first half and second quarter did, Mm. it's very interesting because the performance, it's a bit mixed. So for the, uh, I believe for the first um, half of the year, and I'm just looking through their their numbers at the moment, um, they actually reported the first half, net profits actually for the first six months of the year fell by 35% to about 331 million Singapore dollars. And that's because of unfavorable market conditions in the first quarter. In fact, they also reported that new business embedded value was down 28%. They also saw a slowdown in new business volume in the second quarter. But here's the interesting thing that happened with with uh, Great Eastern Holdings. So for the first six months of the year, they saw a 35% drop in net profits. But if you take just the slice of the second quarter, mm-hmm. they actually reported the profits surged by 76%. They actually saw profits from April to June surge to about $297.5 million Singapore dollars. And the reason they were saying this also is because of the higher valuation of investments 
because of those improved financial market conditions. This has been a very interesting year if you're in the markets. We saw that big meltdown in the first quarter, followed by that very aggressive comeback for markets. And this might be one of the reasons why they actually saw some of their investments actually rebound significantly in the second quarter. But again, I think what's telling here is also that despite the fact that they saw profits surge from April to June and uh, really marked a very excellent quarter for Great Eastern, it still wasn't enough to stop the erosion when you take the first half report card. So it just shows how drastic and how bad the fall was in the first quarter. And even though they saw net profits rebound by 76% in the second in the second quarter, it wasn't enough to offset some of those losses they saw in the first uh, in the first three months. And there's still a lot of market uncertainty out there. And while this might give them a bit of uh, a sense of relief also, uh, there's anything can happen. And if it's all dependent on market gains and losses, we've seen some market volatility return back into the equities and the greater and across many asset classes. This is something they're going to have to account for also moving forward. But nevertheless, worth taking a sigh of relief that the second quarter at least showed some very promising signs and hopefully they can maintain things. I think uh, a lot of companies would look at a lot lot of um, listed companies would look at this and go, hey, that's not a bad result. We want some of that action too. No, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, again, it's also if you played your cards right in the second quarter and were actually in the markets. And if you, and we also saw a lot of these banks in the U.S. actually bank, uh, actually record uh, better than expected and 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 uh, better than expected profits because of a surge in trading gains. You know, th- there's, there, there, there's still some potential um, upside if you were able to ride that particular wave, for lack of a better term. And Great Eastern seems to have been able to do that. But again, this is a new quarter. This is a, this is a, a return or a, res, or, or a resurgence again of some of the old worries, virus concerns. Are markets perhaps overvalued? Will there be continued stimulus that will support markets as there was in the second quarter of this year? These are things that Great Eastern will have to manage for the rest of the year also. And we'll see if they can maintain at least some of the very much needed momentum that they built in the April to June quarter. All right, more uh, reporting news. Hutchinson Port Holdings as DPU for fell quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, not just the DPUs, the revenues and their pro- and their income also fell. And it's very uh, t- telling also because at one point this was one of the members of the Straits Times Index also. But not unusual to see that ports were also feeling sure the pinch oh, from absolutely. the COVID-19 pandemic. So absolutely. as we know, this is still a trust that manages ports, especially out in Hong Kong. So you mentioned that distributions per unit fell by about 28%, 4.3 Hong Kong cents for the first six months of this year. Revenues for Hutchison fell by almost 12% to just about about 4.78 billion Hong Kong dollars, or about 849 million Singapore dollars equivalent, and and uh, and this was also because container throughput at its terminals actually slipped by about th- almost three percent due to fewer intra-Asia U.S. and transmission transshipment cargos, and also container throughput at one of its at the Yantian terminal in Shenzhen also fell by 12.2% because of the decrease in transactions between the US and EU and also a lot of empty cargoes and inevitably they admitted that it was affected by the COVID-19 pandemic which has hit one of the major transshipment hubs in the region also so this also gives a very clear picture as to how the COVID-19 pandemic has hit not just business sentiment and economies overall but also transshipments between countries because of the uh, decline business and economic demand and consumer demand and you, you're seeing lower activity among some of these ports and, and it's also playing out in the in the Hutchison Port Holdings uh, report card. They have said that uh, outbound cargoes, for instance, to the US and Europe registered a double-digit year-on-year decline in the first half of the year and because of this, they actually saw that net income fell by about 9%. So, ouch, on the, uh, is all I can really say with regards to some of Hutchison's numbers and results. You know, still a lot of uncertainty over some of these 
these downward pressures that they're facing. Well, like I said, a listed companies would be happy with Great Eastern. They would be very happy with Great Eastern. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I think it also shows that you have to be able to take opportunities when you see them. So Great Eastern, because they're an insurance and they have to manage these investment portfolios to make sure that they could meet some of the claims of some of their insurees. If the markets start to show signs of improving, you can't waste time. You've got to be able to capitalize on some of these moves. But again, Great Eastern is stocked with a number of very experienced investment professionals also. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it seems that Great Eastern is able to pull that off. In Hutchison Port's case, at least, um, you are at the beck and call of these global transshipment flows and trends, which unfortunately are have been rather depressed over the course of the most of this year, to be honest, and yeah, might continue much. to be the same way. So tough times, really, for the folks at Hutchison. Okay, so rest of the day, do you think we'll touch uh, 2,600? Um, I don't know. That might be a bridge too far. Let me reserve that. Qu- let's let's revisit that question for tomorrow if we hold on to these gains. There are some encouraging signs, though. The STI, as we were speaking, as we were blabbing off, they decided to add another four points to its reg- to the register. They're now at 2,587 uh, points so far. So there's some, some very slow but sure mom- upward momentum, at least supporting the STI. I'm not sure if 2,600 is going to be achievable today, but tomorrow is another, another session. And maybe that's a question we can revisit if, again, momentum and business sentiment is, is if positive business sentiment is sustained over the course of the next 48 hours. That might be something we'll have to revisit tomorrow. All right. We'll revisit it tomorrow. But before we get to tomorrow, JP Ong will be back on prime time to give you the very latest market movements in his market view update. This is Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio by Fanners presenter JP Ong. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.